1: Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Ceslowski. This week's episode features Jared Smola from Draft Sharks. Jared is a longtime fantasy player and has been doing content for fantasy football for well over a better part of a decade and a half. I urge everybody to go check out his work on Draft Sharks and follow him on Twitter, Smola. DS. All of his links are in the video description below. Recently, Jared invited me to participate in an analyst league on the Draft Sharks Invitational, which was a Superflex tight end premium league. This league was loaded with experienced players, and it was a tough room. There was not a lot of value to be had. I've linked the draft board in the video or audio description below. I asked Jared about that draft, some strategy questions for Superflex drafts, but we also covered a ton of relevant fantasy football takes and player analysis as you head into your drafts this season. I know you'll enjoy this long-ranging conversation with Jared Smola from Draft Sharks. By the way, the sanity test that I give everybody when they come on this is how many uh, leagues are you going to be in this year? And and there's no wrong answer here. This is just, you know, this is one of those psychological tests.
2: Are you counting basketball leagues?
1: Uh, let's do um, a dynasty uh, redraft grouping and then we'll do a best ball separate because, you know, I mean, if you told me 150 best ball, I wouldn't think <laughs> anything of that at this point. It's so,
2: pro- you know, it's probably going to settle around 10 to 12 like lineup setting leagues, you know, I might get to 15 if I get antsy uh, a couple days before the season starts. But I, I do try to keep it around 10 because, you know, you know how busy we, we are with work during the season. So trying to do that plus manage all the. Uh, waiver wires gets gets tricky if i get you know up to more than 10 10 to 12
1: so i will agree with you there's no bigger hell on this earth than um setting your line especially now with the thursday game and then yep. having to take the thursday player that you had in your flex and put him into your running back slot so you can leave your flex open so i'm gonna say jared smola that you are a sane person you are looking at a person that has 30 and i honestly yep. it's unsustainable I'm miserable, and I'm starting to not enjoy it. So, but yet, what do I do in the off season? I more dynasty startups.
2: Yeah, I, I was I was there recently with the thirty. Um, we had a kid a couple of years ago, so you yeah, know I think that that was to me the impetus to you know try to try to cut back on those leagues.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm with Jared Smol of Draft Sharks, and we participated in the same Draft Sharks Invitational Expert Superflex Tight End Premium. X, you know, it's like it, it's like uh, when they Sirius XM adds on Sirius XM Pandora when you keep adding names on. But yeah. it's uh, it's worth explaining because this is becoming more of the normal format than it is the abnormal. I mean, I almost can't eat vanilla ice cream anymore. I need all the different flavors on at this point. Are you the same way with your leagues?
2: Yeah, Superflex is definitely growing as I think it should. Um It just it adds more variety, right? You get in the one quarterback leagues, and like the first round always looks the same. The second round is always the same guys. Even the third and fourth round, like you can kind of predict how it's going to play out. Superflex drafts, and we saw, you know, there were six of these draft sharks. Invitational drafts, they all played out pretty differently as far as you know how early the quarterbacks flew off the board.
1: Yeah, and if anyone is watching on the YouTube feed, I did link the draft board for our draft that is in the video description below. And this wasn't just some, like, quote, experts draft where we just plant our flags. Like, there's real money involved in this. The winner of this draft gets 500 bucks, and then there's six drafts that go on, and the winner of the overall gets 5000 bucks. Now, I told you, I already spent the money, so I intend on winning <laughs> it here. You know, I mean, I've already, you know, I bought right. a new big-screen TV for it, so this has got to be paid for. And we're going to go over those drafts, but I just have a bunch of, you know... I want the audience to understand, um, you know, I, I follow you on Twitter. I, I love how you think about the game of football. Uh, how long have you been playing fantasy and how long have you been um, creating content for fantasy?
2: Yeah, I got in my first league when I was about 10 years old. So that would have been 1998. I remember like, you know, Marshall Falk, Brett Favre. Those were like the studs that kind of, you know, were carrying my first couple teams. So I've been playing for, what is that, 20, 20 25 years now. Um, and I started with Draft Sharks in... 2007. Mm. I was a sophomore in college, sort of you know looking for a part-time gig. Uh, Where'd you go to school? With, I went to school in St. John Fisher in Rochester, New York. I was a I was a sport management major. I uh, was kind of no idea what I was going to do with that, but I I totally fell into this Draft Sharks gig, and I've I've been doing it ever since.
1: What do you think? I mean, you've been doing fantasy for a long time. I've been playing fantasy since about 2005 myself, creating content non-professionally for about six years and then, you know, it's so fun. Even if you get like ten bucks an article, getting your first paycheck for it is like, you know, oh my God, somebody's gonna pay me to do something I like and then eventually working full time in it. Uh but I always ask sharp players like yourself this what do you think the biggest mistake even experienced fantasy football players are making in in this day and age?
2: That is a that's a good question. I think (laughs) the fantasy community in general is so much sharper than it used to be. Um To me, and this, you know, this I guess is on top of mind at this time of year, but overrating a lot of the stuff we read and see in preseason action. Like to me, it's, you know, my formula is probably 90% what I thought for the entire offseason, all the research I did into all these teams, the coaching tendencies, the usage stuff. And then I'll tweak that final 10% based on what we're seeing in camp, you know, kind of some of the usage stuff we see in preseason. That stuff matters. Uh, But I think, You know, in in today's day and age with with Twitter and it's so easy to access these reports that people tend to overrate stuff that that they're seeing in, in August.
1: Yeah, I, you know, you do fantasy football all year round. That's, you know, what I do too. When these guys are doing some baseball, I'm still, you know, talking about my best ball drafts and my dynasty <laughs> rookie rankings. But I would say if you go back to your March rankings, those are your sober rankings, right? I mean, we, <laughs> because we all, I mean, we're all guilty. I mean, we try to think we're disciplined and, and hold our, hold the line. But, oh, I'm going to move this guy up three spots, move this guy down two spots. You know, Malik Willis was not getting drafted in best <laughs> ball. I bet you after last night, yeah. he, he's going to be a, a nice late round pick.
2: And he, he shouldn't be in one quarterback leagues in my opinion. In super flex, you can you know you want to take those backups to have upside in case the starter goes down. But uh, I I think and, and you know Willis looked awesome. He did everything we wanted to see when you know projecting his fantasy upside going forward. But you know I I still think this is uh, Tannehill's team this season.
1: Yeah, you said something interesting earlier that the average fantasy player is so much sharper. You know, like Bob in accounting in your office league can just go in and follow ADP and have a pretty good draft. I mean, obviously, yeah. have, there's other things involved, but so what do you think the edge is nowadays? Like, how do you gain an advantage? Because we all have, I mean, I, I remember when I first saw like RotoWire or RotoWorld and the news blurbs, and no one else had those. And, you know, now on Draft Sharks, there's so much good information. But so what's the edge? How do you gain an advantage over your typical league now?
2: Hey, you're not going to gain edges anymore with, like, news because that stuff's all over the place. People understand, like, positional values. You know, quarterbacks, for example, you know, go much later in general than they did 10 years ago. Um, I think people understand, like, just simple stuff like regression. Like, you know, a guy scores on 20% of his catches last year. That, that's coming down. That stuff's all, you know, baked into ADP nowadays. I, I still think draft, strategy, Understanding the flow of drafts, understanding tiers and where value pockets are at different positions, I, I still think that's the edge that you know we, that we can still have in drafts nowadays.
1: All right, so that's a great lead into my next question. Was and you can't—I'm going to ask you about draft strategy, but you can't say, "Hey, I'm just going to take what the board gives me," because we we know that, okay? Yeah. But going into a draft, and you can break us up and say, "Hey, if I'm um, if I'm drafting in the back of the draft, the middle," but what is your draft strategy? for 2022 in a single quarterback redraft league. How are you yep. going to approach a draft this year?
2: Well, we can go position by position if you want. Um, Even in one quarterback leagues, I'm trying to get one of the top six guys. And for me, that's Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts to me is in that tier. He's number three um, now, for me, by the way.
1: I have him as number three. Awesome so yeah,
2: that's, that's not great. And to me, Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, they, they just go latest among those six. So those are the guys I've been taking... The most of, um, at running back for me, it's kind of like early and then late. I like trying to get one of the top uh, like six or seven guys for me. That ends with like Saquon Barkley and Joe Mixon, kind of like you know early to mid second round, and then I'm usually ignoring the position until you know round seven, eight, nine when I can maybe get a Tony Pollard, a Kareem Hunt, a Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So that's kind of my strategy there, and then of course. To, to fill that in, I'm pounding wide receivers in rounds, you know, two, three, four, five. I think that's where the value is there. Tight end, um, my strategy this year is basically Dallas Goddard.
1: <laughs> I've heard love, you say that. I've heard yeah, you say I love
2: that. Dallas Goddard. I mean, I will take Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts at value near the top of drafts, but otherwise I'm, I'm taking Goddard. I think Goddard's going like two or three rounds later than he should be.
1: You know, I heard an interesting stat about Goddard today, this morning, and it was—and I hope I'm getting it right. It's—he is the all-time NFL leader in yards per route run, or something. I mean, again, I—I want to make sure I'm getting it. I'm talking about not—not not last year, like all time. It's just that he doesn't get the volume. So is that—I mean—is that really what the Dallas Goddard flag plan is? Is that that he's a yeah. really great tight end, and if, if we can get him 100 targets, I mean, you know, he's lights out.
2: Yeah, I know last year only George Kittle averaged more yards per outrun than Dallas Goddard. I I do that's the you know base of my love for Goddard is I think he's, you know, one of the the five best pass catching tight ends in the NFL. And I'm a big believer in talent earning opportunity. So AJ Brown's arrival obviously hurts the volume for Goddard. The Eagles are also going to throw it a ton more than they did last year. They were dead last in the NFL in pass attempts last season. To me, going out and getting Brown tells me they're going to throw out more. I don't think they're going to be top ten in the NFL in pass attempts, but if they can be middle of the pack, that that basically you know offsets the arrival of AJ Brown for Goddard. I think he can you know still be getting six to eight targets per game, which is which is plenty at the tight end position.
1: Right. I don't think we've seen Goddard without Ertz for a season yet. Right. I mean, Ertz was what he was. He was there for about six, four, five, six games last year.
2: Yeah. So Goddard, and I have all these Goddard stats memorized because I've been talking about him <laughs> so much. He played he played ten games without Ertz last season, and he was the tight end five in PPR points. So I I think that's about what you're going to get again this season. And, you know, he's what? I think he's like tight end eight in ADP.
1: Right. And he's not like tight end eight where you have to take him right after the seventh guy goes. Like after the top six goes, there's like a, a, a round and a half gap. Yeah. You can you could even be like, okay, the sixth tight end went off the board. My next pick is maybe got right. I got you, which is great because sometimes when you get into if you want one of those top six quarterbacks, you see quarterback one go, you need to pay attention and lock in mm-hmm. because you don't want to get out of that tier. And I, I guess, you know, even though this is uh cookie cutter analysis, what I'm about to say, I mean is it fair to say that if you do miss on the top six quarterbacks, that Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins are your targets, right? Is that what everyone's targets are right now? <laughs> um,
2: they're they're okay. I'd rather right. wait another two three rounds. To oh, take good. Lawrence. This. Ah, oh, okay. Yep.
1: Interesting. All right. Good. Yeah. All right. So this is something new because. I fall under the Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, you know, Mendoza. Like, that's what I want my backstop to be. So you're willing. All right. That's all right. So what do you see for Trevor Lawrence? What is about, I mean, we all know about his prospect profile. I just think that the weapons around him are like, okay. I mean, so what is it about Trevor Lawrence that thinks that he could be a top 12 quarterback this year for fantasy? Yeah.
2: I agree. The weapons are okay. They're much better than last year. Um, especially when you factor in, you know, they they're basically adding Travis Etienne, who didn't play at all last year. And I think mm. he's going to be a big part of the passing game. For me, the coaching staff upgrade is the biggest thing. I mean, urban Meyer was a total clown show last year. I, I'm a, I'm a Doug Peterson guy. Um, you look at his Eagles offenses. They were all top eight in, in offensive plays run. He ran fast paced, high volume offenses in Philly uh, I think last year's Jags were they, they were bottom five in offensive play. So I think you're going to get a lot more volume from Trevor Lawrence, better, better supporting cast. Um, and, and he can give you some rushing ability, too. I think that was kind of an underrated facet of his game coming out. Is he can run for 300, 350 yards, give you a few touchdowns. And that that, that makes a big difference.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the big reveals, you know, like we all have of this and anal- now I'm all, I'm not sick of analysis yet. I i could do, I almost like all the prep better than I like the season. I'm in that yeah. state, state of mind, but one of the big reveals like that I cannot wait to see is Trevor Lawrence good. And we know he's good, but I mean, is he like, are yeah. there those, like what we saw from Malik Willis last night, right? We're like, okay, I saw it. Like, are we going to get a game where we see a few plays, Uh, game after game for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence did what Malik Willis did last night, I mean, he would be, he would be vaulted up to the top 12, right? I mean, that's, you know, yeah. those, that's what we're waiting to see. All right. We're going to eventually, we're going to review the super flex draft, which by the way, if you're watching on the YouTube link, it, it's linked in the video description below the, um, the full board. If you're watching on Twitter or Facebook, come over to YouTube, uh, and you can check out the board and we're going to have player discussion in and out. I'm just going to cover our faces for a moment. If you don't mind, I put the board up just like that. Um, and we'll, I'll toggle back and forth. Uh, as you can see here, this is the superflex draft sharks superflex draft number four uh Jared and I are in there with some very experienced players, great players so uh nothing came easy in this draft as you can see I picked third Jared, you pick tenth uh at tenth you have it's you know you don't get a shot at the elite quarterbacks, yeah. but you do get to see how the board falls was where was the quarterback break line for you? Um, and then where you would maybe pivot to, you know, what you did here is you took Cooper cup, one of the big three receivers.
2: Yeah. Yeah, The top six quarterbacks that we talked about were the six I was willing to take in round one. And, you know, Jalen hurts made it to the one twelve, I think in two of these six drafts, but I, I think our draft here was the quarterback heaviest one. I mean, you know, we had, uh, what six quarterbacks come off the board before my pick at 10. So, you know, I knew if, if those six quarterbacks were gone, then I'd be looking at Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, or you know, worst case would have been Justin Jefferson. Um, so I, I would have loved to have gotten Christian McCaffrey at ten. There he went one pick ahead of me, but I was I was fine uh, just scooping up Cooper Cup, who who is you know my my top receiver for this season.
1: Yeah, I looked at some of the draft boards for the other drafts to see how it'd go. And I was surprised because, you know, I'm in my super flex bubble. I do all these like sleeper dynasty startups and it's, you know, it's, you know, I made the joke in the chat. We're super flexing now, baby. You know, it's like I, I considered, by the way, I picked at three. I took Justin Herbert. If Herbert was off the board at two, I would have taken Jalen Hurts at three. You know, I mean, I wasn't, you know, Lamar Jackson's a perfectly good pick. And he's, I see that he's like, ECR has him as like QB one over Josh Allen. I mean, I, I oh. don't, don't see that at all. You know, I mean, if you look at the, um, I think at the fantasy pros stuff, like, I was just like, wait a second, this is looks outdated to me. Cause I don't know any sane person or credible ranker that doesn't have Josh Allen as the QB one. I mean, I think we can all agree. We don't agree on anything in fantasy football, but I think <laughs> we all agree on Josh Allen as QB one.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I have him. He's still almost in his own tier for me. If I look at my projections, you know, he's like 15, 20 points ahead of the next guy. And, and in most drafts, you know, in standard one quarterback drafts, he'll go a half round to a round ahead of the rest of these guys.
1: Okay. So you at that point said, I'm going to, you know, you've made a decision. At pick ten, and I'll put the draft board back up for a moment here. You went Cooper Cup. You said, "Hey, I'm not going to take uh, a tier, th- uh, you know, a, 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 br- a tier break there. I'm going to have a position player, especially since you have to start three receivers in leagues. Mm-hmm. We have to start two receivers. I think it's a different conversation. But you know, I mean, you got you got the yeah. wide receiver, one a tier one guy." And Tom Brady, I mean, I love that pick there. I mean, Tom Brady. It's the cliff can come at any moment, so there's a little bit of hesitation. But was there? Were you considering, like, you know, Russell Wilson, an upside play like Lance? How come Brady right there at the pick, at your second round pick?
2: Lance was the guy I strongly considered. I was going back and forth between those two guys. I just sort of stuck to my rankings for this with Tom Brady. I also, and you know, this didn't end up working out for me, but I also liked the fact that there's more stack options with Brady that I could have yes. drafted later on, you know, Trey Lance, he's almost a guy. I want to just draft Trey Lance and not draft any of his pass catchers. Cause he's going to do so much of his damage on the ground. But um, I, I knew I didn't want to leave the first two rounds without a quarterback. And, you know, to me, beyond those top six, there's another, there's another six guys for me in the next tier of quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Trey Lance, Matt Stafford, Dak Prescott. So I kind of knew um, I'd be landing on one of those six guys with that second round pick.
1: And you said something important about the stacking. So in your typical home league or just a single like standalone league stacking's cool, but I don't think it's as important when we were talking about a contest like this, where there's 72 teams, right? It's 72. Is yeah. that the math, right? 72 yeah. teams competing for 5,000 bucks. I mean, that's not small potatoes there. You know, it's uh, stacking. You, there is like a, a DFS element to it. And uh, you know, what? without looking at the board, did you end up getting Mike Evans, Chris Godwin? Did you get any of those guys?
2: I did not. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, I was you know, looking to, I did end up getting some uh, late Jaguars stacks to go along with uh, Trevor Lawrence.
1: She love, right. So, you know, and I did, so I'm normally quarterback in the first two rounds, except when you pick in that one, two or three spot, if Russell Wilson or Trey Lance do not fall, Yep. I mean, I'm starting in punt mode now, you know, so then it's, I did not plan on having Baker Mayfield as my QB two, but you know, listen, you know, I, I the rosters in the draft sharks invitational are big enough where I was able to, you know, put Matt Corral in there and just yep. in case, cause you know, and you know, speaking of that, you know, we're talking about Baker Mayfield. It's funny that no one liked Baker Mayfield, but now everyone loves DJ Moore because Baker Mayfield is there. Can you just, where are you on <laughs> DJ Moore? who? Again, I totally understand the 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 case for him, but I just have not drafted. I'm not willing to take him in like the three four
0: turn.
2: Yeah, I think with Baker, it's like lesser of two evils, right? Like I don't love him, but I definitely like him more than Sam Darnold. I think he I think he's an upgrade for the passing game. You know, if he, he can give them maybe league average quarterback play, which would be better than DJ Moore had last year. I'm not huge on DJ Moore, just with where his price is now. I think he's probably priced fairly. I think he's a pretty safe bet. Like he, I think he was wide receiver 17 last year in PPR points, despite only scoring four touchdowns. So, you know, that's kind of like a floor for him, I think. I don't think he has massive, like, league-winning upside. But, I, you know, again, I don't think he's going to kill you as, you know, a third or fourth-round pick.
1: I guess the case for DJ Moore, and again, I'm what you said. I'm lining up behind you. If like someone asked me my my uh, my stance on DJ Moore, I'm just going to replay them what you just said. I don't even need to say. I'm mean, here, listen to Jared real quick. But I mean, with four touchdowns a year for his career, I mean it, you could talk. About, we always talk about regression. It can go the other way. He was a touchdown scorer at Maryland, so. Yep. I mean, I won't be surprised if we get an 11 touchdown season from DJ Moore at some point. And, but I, it's, you know, you always want to skate where the puck is going, but like cliche alert there. But I, I actually need to see it with him. I'll pay because you're paying full retail right now, right? I mean, yeah. If, yeah so, I mean, you know, maybe a half around more. Uh, just before we continue on, I just want to know, is there something that you wish you had in your fantasy league or features that are missing from your current league bonus scoring custom schedules or playoffs deeper team settings? Well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy. How many times have you had to read this one, Jared? Right. Well, you... my
2: co my, my co host Matt Schaaf does it for us. So.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair. Well, how many times have you had to listen to it? You you know what? Tell me who does it better. Matt does it better, or I do it. better you're gonna have to grade at the end. Uh, Fantrax. I'm, I'm only teasing. Of course, you got to go with your guy. <laughs> Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper redraft and best ball leagues. Join MLB All Star Jock Peterson, who recently announced he's moving his fantasy football league to Fantrax. Fantrax is excited to announce the Fantrax game day experience giveaway, Fantrax will be sending one lucky fantasy football league to a regular season game of their choice along with $6,000 towards travel and accommodations. All you have to do is enter, create your own league on Fantrax. The more leagues you create, the more chances you have to win. There's a reason why players who try Fantrax make it their permanent home. Go to Fantrax.com slash RotoWire and sign up today. If you won that contest where you were able to go to any game and get your, uh, and get your travel paid for, what would it be?
2: Yeah, me and Matt talked about this on our podcast recently. I I'm going to a Chargers game. That's that's that, that's the team I want to see in person. And you know, there's there's nice weather out there. Get out of the snow here in upstate New York.
1: So there's a couple right. There's a couple ways to think about it. right. It's the team you want to see, the stadium you want to see, or is it the city you want to go to? Yep. And um, I was in Chargers is a great one by the way. That would yep. probably be on my top two or three. I, I was thinking if I won the Fan Tracks uh drawing. I'd probably go Las Vegas. I know it's kind of, you know, I, I mean, I, that stadium looks cool from the yeah. outside, at least. You know, there's supposedly a nightclub in there. Um It might be fun. And, it, and by the it, way, it would have to be a good game, you know, too. I right. just, it, it, I,
2: it's funny. If I was going just city, I'd pick Seattle because that's like fair. the top of my list. But I don't want to go to a Seahawks game.
1: Right, right. right. Not, <laughs> this year. Not,
2: not this year. Yeah, last year would have been fine. Not this year
1: yeah speaking uh, by the way, just uh, we we're talking about the Seahawks uh in your superflex leagues, which one of those guys you bring a desperation um q b three q b four chip on
2: oh my goodness I, I mean, the no, no right answer. I, I still think Drew Locke will start more games this season, so i I guess I would go with him
1: yeah, and I think that that would be better for dK Metcalf as well because it's not that we think Drew Locke is like you know a top thirty two quarterback, but sometimes when you have like a below level starting quarterback and you have like an alpha wide receiver yeah. the, they're more apt just to like throw like have a djaf attitude and just throw it to the guy and you know dk can erase a lot of mistakes so where are you on i'm just i mean this is just tangenting topics here but where are you on dk metcalf are you would you be willing to take him in the fourth round
2: i have a lot of metcalf on like underdog i know um he'll get into like the sixth round a lot on underdog yeah um yeah. and i'll even take him in the fifth at times i mean it's just a bet on talent like, you know, if he, he's going outside the top 20 wideouts now, I, I think, I think he can beat that just based on talent.
1: I'm looking at his NFFC ADP and you are right. He goes on the fourth. Oh, okay. He goes at pick 49, um, over the last three days. So that's the four or five turn more or less. And he is wide receiver 23. So that's where you're starting to consider him either way. Yeah. Underdog's a whole different deal, yeah. right? I mean, it's its own ecosystem. You know, when you, yeah, yeah, you know what, we're on best ball now. I mean, I have, I have so much to ask you. That's why I'm, I'm weaving in and out of topics here, but the audience needs to know this stuff. What's your, you know, in a wide receiver, crazy world. I don't know. (laughs) I've been playing best ball long enough to know that like I've done well enough. I haven't won the big prize, but to get three or four running backs that have job security and then, the benefit of best ball is I never have to call my shot with wide receiver. So I don't mind getting these guys that are like headache starts in seasonal leagues. What's your best ball strategy? Are you in on the wide receiver mayhem? No. Okay, good. Let's I'm talk a
2: hundred percent with you. I love the wide receiver mayhem. I want to <laughs> lock up as many of those elite running backs as I can. I'll start RB. I've started RB, RB, RB a ton this year on underdog. You can get, you know, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne. I, I, I love, you know, James Conner in the third. Um, And then, yeah, stockpile the wide receivers. They they give you, you know, more weekly volatility, which is good in best ball. Especially underdog. It's half PPR. I think people, you know, draft like it's full PPR. And it makes a big difference.
1: (sighs) Thank God. Yeah, You know what? (laughs) Jared, we're going to be friends, man. We have more in common than we thought. We have – we both used to – well, I used to live in New York. And then we also have that – we have a sane best ball approach. And like you said, it's what's the ultimate – DFS players always say, hey, who's the guy who's unlikely to do this? But if I do, I win if everyone's going gobbling up these wide receivers, fine. My first wide receiver is going to be like wide receiver, you know, 31, but I'm going to have 31, 35, 38. I'm going to have all those guys stacked up in a row. And when you don't have the the biggest headache in fantasy, and I'm sure you get a gazillion questions. Is should I start this marginal wide receiver or this marginal wide receiver? It's like, I don't know, dude, this one, you know, but it's, yeah.
2: I actually, I actually looked in, because I wanted to sort of check myself this offseason to see if this was kind of still the way to go in best ball. So I did an article on DraftShare. You, you could check it out. It's a free article. Um, and I looked at where the elite scoring weeks in every position came. So I looked at, you know, where did the top five running back scoring weeks come from? And it backed up what we do. The vast majority of the elite running back weeks come from guys picked in the first two rounds of these underdog drafts. Wide receiver, I mean, obviously, you're still getting more of the elite weeks at the top of the draft but it's much more spread out. You can find a lot more of those elite weeks in the middle rounds of fantasy drafts. So that just kind of you know, made, made me think like I'm you know, i I'm, I'm on the right track with this basketball draft strategy.
1: Yeah, and go follow Jared on Twitter, Smola. It's on the screen if you're watching. If you're listening on the podcast, it's uh, Smola, S-M-O-L-A-D-S. That's for draft sharks. I said your last name correctly, right, Jared? It's Smola?
2: Perfect, nailed it.
1: All right, cool. Nobody could say my last name, says Lowski. Yeah. So it's okay. It's all right. You know, it's always mispronounced. That seems, that seems easy enough. <laughs> again, Jared, you, you, you know, like I said, we're kismet, my friend. All right. So one of my favorite we talked about how you get an edge in fantasy football in 2022. And I think, you know, a popular, uh, SEO title that we would see is these five players are breaking out. But I had a, a conversation with my, um, with one of my colleagues, Jeff Erickson, we talked about how do you identify a breakout player? And you know, yes, if you're a, a spreadsheet guy, you can get in there and that's, that's great. But is there anything simpler to identify breakouts and i'll just give you like a little taste of what i said and then i would curious how you identify your breakouts i just look at the guys who are quote good that maybe started slow last year but finished strong so that last post buy or past six weeks and you know amon ross st brown comes to mind so start with how do you identify breakouts and then i want to get into something player specific
2: my biggest thing is opportunity. Like I'm looking for spots where guys have more opportunity than they did last year. So, you know, whether that's injuries or whether that's, you know, teams losing guys in free agency or just, it doesn't even have to be volume opportunity. It can be opportunity that I think this offense is going to be a lot better and they're going to score a lot more points. So this guy's going to have more touchdown chances.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Yeah. So opportunity coaching changes, quarterback changes. I mean, like if I would have told you this time last year, oh yeah, Cortland Sutton, he's going to be a third round pick in sharp drafts, fourth round pick in, you know, in your sort of normal leagues. I mean, yeah. it was like, you would, have, first thing you would ask me, who's the quarterback, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that, that begs the question though, what do you think is the most important off signing or trade that happened?
2: Well, you got my mind on Russell Wilson now. It's kind of tough not to go with that, right? I mean, it's tough to think of a bigger wide receiver upgrade. And, man, I love Sutton and Judy as talents. So, I, I want to be drafting both of those guys. I actually thought Sutton was a bit overvalued before the Tim Patrick injury. Mm. Um, just It's scary to me that Sutton did so little last year after Judy returned. And I know the situation wasn't good, but even if you look at like targets, like he was getting out-targeted by Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick, Courtney Sutton was, so. That scared me a bit. But now that you know, now that Patrick's out of the picture, it's kind of tough to not bet on Sutton.
1: I guess the case for ignoring what you just said, based on like, because I mean, yes, it's, he, it's more of a projection. And we're really putting him at his ceiling. But I guess the case is that he really is the, quote, DK Metcalf of this offense, right? And Russell Wilson likes to do what Courtland Sutton does best. I mean, in a couple of like you know five dollar puppies, I, I'm okay reaching on Cortland Sutton in the third round, but I don't know. Like, I have a um, you know an NFFC draft coming up August 20th, and I don't think I'm gonna have the the stones to yeah. go Cortland Sutton that early. Just because, like you said, it's like I looked at DraftKings yardage totals for Judy and Sutton, and they're the same. They're both 905 yards, and the catch totals actually higher for Judy.
2: So, yep. I mean, no, I think I think Sutton's probably a better touchdown bet, right? Yes. But um but I I I in full PPR I have Judy ranked ahead of Cortland set. So.
1: Yeah. So I would okay, I'd, that's much, fair. Rather yeah, I'd yeah. much rather wait.
2: I'd around.
1: I mean they're basically going now is back to back. So if you wanted to like stack those guys, you gotta take them on the three, four you know, let's say it goes yeah. You would have to take them let's see. you yeah on the three four turn together which again which be which be ahead of adp for both of them so if you're you know it's going to be tough tough to do i guess maybe if you're doing like an auction or a salary cap draft that would be different um i skipped forward but i was um when we come back we're gonna take a short break here we come back i do want to ask you about amon ross st brown and it wouldn't be a a fantasy football podcast unless we brought up (laughs) Gabriel or davis so those are the two players we're going to talk about as soon as we come back right after this and we 're back. thanks for the podcast audience for sticking with us and of course i 'm here with Jared Smola from Draft Sharks. Uh, we just uh, Jared and I participated in the Draft Sharks Invitational Draft Number Four, which is linked in the video description below if you 're listening in the podcast i 'll put it in there as well. You could see how I dominated this draft and I'm, you know Jared did have a great draft himself, but you know I, I did have to you know there 's a five thousand dollar prize so i 'm going to take the money all right uh, before the break. I asked you about Amon Rasim Brown. It's funny, you know, like I, I talked to a few of my casual fantasy football friends and they like, and he said to me the other day, because I have a great sleeper for you for when you do your podcast. Amon Ross St. Brown. And I, you know, I said, oh, that, that's cute. You know, it's cute. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he won him a league last year. But yeah, I mean, I'm in Ross St. Brown. I'm just looking at his high stakes ADP. It is, where where do you guys have him? I oh, him okay, at wide receiver 26, 54th overall. Does that sound about right?
2: Yeah, it sounds about me. he's He's a fifth or sixth round pick in most of these drafts.
1: So break him down. Is he worth that pick?
2: He, I, I wish I had a hot take on Amon Ross St Brown. I really don't like. I think, I think the, the pro side for St Brown says he's good. Like, look at what he, you know, yeah, the opportunity was there as a rookie, but you have to be good to capitalize in the way that he did. And you look at some of the advanced metrics, like you know yards per out run, he was awesome there. The con side for St Brown is that there was no one else there in Detroit when he he broke out. So I, I see both sides. I think he is good. I also think he's not gonna see the same volume because they add DJ Chark, they get DeAndre Swift healthy again, they get T J Hackinson healthy again, they'll have Jameson Williams at some point, so yeah. I, again, I wish I had a hot take, but I think he's sort of fairly valued as like a, you know, higher end wide receiver three.
1: Yeah. I, I lean on the GD is out of the bottle philosophy there. I mean, when if you remember back to when Amon Ross St. Brown was drafted in the fourth round, everybody thought that that was like, Oh wow. What a steal. Like he should have gone. And like, I think a lot of smart projectors had him in like the second round or no later than the third round. So it's kind of like the Michael Carter thing where we all thought he was going to go earlier and the draft capital sort of, re-anchors him down you know pulls him down a little bit um yeah it's uh you know I saw a blurb this week did you see the Jared Goff blurb about how uh you know that yeah. uh, Amon Ra is his guy he's the man I mean T.J. Hawkinson couldn't have been too happy about that you know <laughs> I mean if you saw yeah, the, there, uh,
2: there, there is something to quarterback receiver rapport too um now I've been reading some good things about D.J. Chark's performance in training camp too and he's a guy who You have to go back a couple of years for the thousand yard season, but it was there. He was a high second round pick. He's big. He's athletic. Um, I do think guys like St. Brown are, you know, he's a better fit with golf, right? You know, golf would rather throw that short stuff than you know, chuck it downfield to DJ Chark. So, again, I think Chark's going to be the lead guy there. I don't think he's going to be getting, you know, 10, 10 targets per game like he was down the stretch last season.
1: Yep. That's fair. You could see, you can maybe have some spike games. All right. We are uh, also, I don't want to f- forget our main topic with that. We are sure. reviewing the draft board. I'm going to pop it up once again. And if we tangent off this topic, man, that's just how podcasts go. That's what you get when you get a smorgasbord of good information. So as you can see here, for those who have just joined us or have been listening through, I picked third in our Superflex draft, Jared picked 10th. We already talked about our first pi- uh, first round pick, but, you know, the, it's so great to, to, when you, in a super flex draft, you get these great values on positional players. Now you ignored running back pretty early, Jared, but you started just clicking that button, clicking that button when the running backs came and you got Alvin Kamara, James Conner, and Travis Etienne. Boom, boom, boom. Alvin Kamara was somebody that basically scared the heck out of me all draft season because of the suspension. I don't want, in and in, I wasn't going to pay a third round pick. I am emotionally ready to put him back in the second round of, you know, traditional start ones. Uh, talk about, I mean, he in the super flex draft, when you get him in the, the, where you got him, was that the fourth round? Mm-hmm. It's an easy pick, but in single quarterback leagues, are you willing to take him in the middle of the second round again, or even the high second round?
2: Uh, middle to late, I think, is where Kamara belongs. Like I'm still taking Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley over him pretty easily. Um, so, you know, middle to late second. Yeah, at this point it seems like the suspension risk is pretty minimal. I mean, that can always change. And now people say, you know, if if the video comes out, then you know, he's he's screwed. But otherwise it seems like this legal process is dragging out. So I think you're probably gonna get you know, Kamara at least eligible for all 17 games this season. I, you know, have concerns with Sean Payton's departure from New Orleans. Um, you know, I think we even saw last year. You know, Kamara's target share is not going to be as high with Jameis Winston as it was with Drew Brees. So, you know, that's why he doesn't creep into that early second or even late first round for me. But I do still think he's going to get plenty of volume. I still think he's a good player. O line is still pretty solid there in New Orleans. So I, I think Kamara is going to be just fine as like a lower end RB one.
1: You said something very interesting here that I hadn't thought of. It's not only did he, you know, lose, is the team context completely different, but Sean Payton's not there. Drew Brees isn't there. Um, if, you know, the, the days of 80 catches for Kamara, yeah. I think the, that ship is sailed. I mean, what do you think is an upside? Not even a reasonable projection. Like, what's Kamara's uh, reception total if, if it, things go well?
2: Ah, uh, 60.
1: Right, right, and that's right. not that great to me
2: it's not great, but you know, it's not, if he gets 60 catches and then he gets, you know, 200, 220 carries you know he'll, he'll be, he'll be fine.
1: Yeah. And it pays the bills in the second round or where you got him. Forget yeah. it. It's all profit in the fourth round of a super flex draft. I mean, he, he should have gone. See, to me, there's not that much difference between him and Derrick Henry with the new risks associated with Derrick Henry. And the reason I took Derrick Henry, you see in the third round there is because I thought the running back run was uh, about to happen. It kind of did, but Yeah. I mean, you did just fine. Just waiting. You got your guy, Trevor Lawrence in the late third round of a super flex draft. And when you made that pick, I did a little eyebrow raise because I hadn't thought of Trevor Lawrence as I was like, okay, there's some possibility for him. I didn't see a lot of difference between, but you you really persuaded me today that Trevor Lawrence probably is, um, let's say more than a life preserver. If you miss out on that Kirk Cousins, Derek Cartier. And I like that i have you know, evolving my, uh, my perception as I'm heading into some high stakes stuff here. All right, so you got your guy Dallas Goddard, and I heard you talking on the live stream about Dallas Goddard. And what's funny is when I picked earlier in that round, I took Elijah Moore. I, I literally had Dallas Goddard in there. I was about to click. I got distracted for a second, and then when I came back, I ended up with Elijah Moore. Now I wish I would have done it just to put you on tilt. You know, I'm I'm all about hate picks, you know, and I'll tell you right now, had I gotten Jalen Hurts pick three, Uh, yeah, you would, Dallas, you would not have benefited if Dallas Goddard goes off there. So you got lucky there, but Elijah Moore, um, you know, it would have been, I always thought the Jaguars screwed up when they took Travis Etienne. They should have taken Elijah Moore there. We'd be talking Mm -hmm. about Trevor Lawrence in a different way. So I'm just curious as a jet fan, I'm a jet fan. uh, Which team do you like? Who's your squad?
2: I mean, I got to kind of be a, a Bills fan at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of grew up a Dolphins fan, um, but man, I, I, as I've gotten older, it's hard for me to care about how sports teams do. Like I, I care about my fantasy teams, dude. But, you know, I, my, all my, all my buddies are Bills fans. My wife's a Bills fan. I, I would, I would like to see, to see them win a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. I'm going to ask you this Elijah Moore question, but you said it right. Like people say, like, who are you a fan of? And like, when I, you know, when people meet me in Florida, I'm like, yeah, I'm a Jets fan, but I'm like, I don't give a sh-, you know, anymore. I'm just like, I I can want I mean, think about, you know, how much fantasy is done for the NFL, but I can watch the two worst teams on Thursday night in a a game where they're both have three wins. And obviously, you know, between gambling and between fantasy, I mean, we we care. I mean, the worst NFL game does better than some like the NHL Stanley Cup finals
2: because we can control our fantasy teams. I have no control how the (laughs) Miami Dolphins play or how they run their franchise. So why should I be that invested in them?
1: All right. I want to get back to your take on Elijah Moore, because I think he's an important player because, you know, there's some Jets bias pulling him down, but he's available routinely in a very fair. I'm just looking at what his uh, high stakes ADP is over the last. um, Let's see. I have let's see. Oh, he's lower than I thought he was. He is going at wide receiver 32, 62 overall. I'm identifying him as I can't leave the draft without him type of guy.
2: I'm not there with him. I wish I could be because I, I loved him coming out um, and everything we saw. And you mentioned guys that kind of got hot down the stretch last year. That that was Elijah Moore until he got hurt. and He had a big six, seven game stretch there. Um, you know, my concerns are, I guess it starts with volume after they add Garrett Wilson with the 10th overall pick and, you know, Corey Davis is back. They had a couple tight ends. Um, and that, my, my biggest concern, though, I'd like your take on it, is Zach Wilson. Like is is he gonna take a step forward this season? Because he was he was bad last year.
1: Yeah. You know what's funny? It's uh again, somebody brought this to my attention is that Zach Wilson, he was bad but he wasn't as bad as you think he was. He actually won rookie of the year. This came from the Breakfast Table podcast. Those guys brought to, to their audience's attention that Zach Wilson on three separate weeks won rookie of the week, not of the year, rookie of the week. So, but I mean, it's so obvious that he was, you know, I wanted the Jets to take Justin Fields with that pick, pick two there. I was in there, I would still be. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything they've said, they've done, op, uh, the Jets have done the opposite of what the Bears have done, right? They've set Zach Wilson up so they can see yeah. if he's good or not. Whereas the Bears? Players are just like, yeah. Well, Justin Fields, if he's good, he's good. If not, we're just going to move on. Uh, so, okay, that's a fair take on Elijah Moore. Now, that's probably why his ADP is where it is. Yep. But I'm betting on talent. And you know, it's one other note. I just want to backtrack a little bit about Dallas Goddard. Does it con- because I have this in my notes. They ask you, does it bother you at all that Goddard's best week was with Gardner Minshew?
2: No, to me that's like a one-off small sample. I'm not going to. I'm not going to worry about.
1: Okay. That's that's the question I wanted to ask you, though, because yeah. I, I like Goddard, but I have to admit, you swooning over him got me a little bit more interested in him. So, you know, I yeah. would say when, when, uh, when sh- credible, sharp guys like players, I pay attention. I don't just anchor to my own. Right, I want to go over a couple more guys that I know that you've talked about lately that have me interested. Let's go with Wandel Robinson because... Mm-hmm you know, every, as soon as he was drafted in the second round, everybody said, Oh, he was overdrafted. He's too small, yeah. but you have a little bit of a different spin on Wandell.
2: I mean, to me, size is the only knock against this guy, right? Like he had the college production, you know, he, he, had, he kind of, and he has that running back wide receiver hybrid kind of skill set, which is always interesting in fantasy. He did that for two years at Nebraska, uh, you know, transfers to Kentucky finishes like top five in the country and catches and receiving yards last year. Um, Tape is awesome. I think he's a a fun player to watch. And then to me, the big thing is this new Giants regime, you know, new head coach, new GM, they have no ties to Kenny Galladay or Kadarius Toney. They spend, uh, what was it, 43rd overall pick on Wendell Robinson. So to me, that means something. I think, you know, Brian Dable kind of pinpointed this guy as someone he wanted for his offense. And at this point, it's uh, pretty clear that Wendell Robinson is is locked into a top three role in that offense. I think Dable's going to run a ton of three wide receiver sets So Robinson's going to be a full-time player in that offense. I, I, yeah, I like him as a, as a late round target.
1: And based on what we've seen, Kadarius, Tony is what, I mean, what's his under over on games, 11, 11 yeah. and a half, as far as healthy games and Galladay's never been a healthy, you know, like a guy that we said, Oh, he's a rock. So, I mean, there's going to be games where Wandell. They may be, you know, short eight, you know, low a dot, but he could have like 12 targets in a game. I, I like that. It's, you know, I'm seeing him creep up, creep up, creep up. And I don't think, you know, if he has a splash play in the preseason, forget it. He's going to be like a 10th round pick at some point. It's, you know, how the, you talked about narratives earlier, people responding yeah. and changing the rankings, but sometimes it's okay to do that. Don't you think?
2: Yeah, for sure. And even with Vondell, again, it's a guy that I liked as a prospect coming in. So I was kind of, you know, willing to rank him high. And and the, yeah, the landing cap, the, the draft capital was even higher than I expected. I, I thought he'd be a, be a third round pick.
1: Yeah. Just a quick break here to ask everyone if they love fantasy sports and you're looking for a new challenge this year. Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real salaries, adding strategy and running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique, challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control of your team's future. You can build it through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, manage your salary cap, create a dynasty of champions sign up now at dynastyowner.com and use the code roto five that's r-o-t-o-5 and receive five bucks off any new dynasty team are you a dynasty player do you like playing uh, are you in any dynasty leagues
2: oh yeah i'm in four dynasty leagues um which again i'd like to be in more but there's there's only so many hours in the day
1: Next off season, I'll hit you up. I mean, I I I'm a startup sicko, you know. Like I'm in a (laughs) ton of them, and you know, all none of them fall. We've had them all long running, and just you know, like I love it so much. I think it's such a that's I I love redraft. I'm you know we all come from the redraft game, but dynasty. It's like this is what I would say. Like there's always like um a leak in the the biggest leak in dynasty players games is that. The, the way of they overvalue youth. We all know that. Yep. And they undervalue, you know, aging players. So, you know, you see these dynasty, there's no better example than like Mike Evans, who's wide receiver seven ish in, yeah. in redraft. And he's like wide receiver, like 18 or 20 in, in dynasty. It- so,
2: and he's not even 30 years old yet. <laughs> it's, it's crazy.:
1: And it's not like we've seen a decline. We've seen an, incline, you know, an increase in his efficiency, his touchdowns, and so. Uh, all right, so that's uh, you know, you like Tom Brady this year, so that's a good uh, jump-off point. Uh, I have so many things to ask you about, so I'm going to go like a million topics here. I hope the audience can keep up. Um, CD lamb or Mike Evans in redraft this year.
2: Uh, that's Lamb for me easily now. After the Bucks added Julio Jones, and you know, looks like Chris Godwin's going to be, uh, you know, ready for Week One. At, you know, maybe Week Two or Week Three. You know, he's not going to open the the season on the pop list. So I, I, you know, I had Evans projected for a bunch of targets like three weeks ago, but then with the recent news, um, you know, I, I kind of took him back down to the level he was at last year.
1: Yeah. I see him dripping into the third round. Now, Mike Evans in some drafts. I mean, that's, you know, I was, I was so happy to take him at like pick 15 yeah. a month ago and now, yeah. So, I mean, CD lamb, if you're in a, just a single quarterback league, I, I think he's a defensible, like pick nine, pick 10, pick 11, right?
2: Yeah. Around there. You know, I was, I was going to say early second round, but yeah, he's definitely oh, yeah. in, in those top five wide receivers for me. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously the opportunity is there for him to see a huge target share to open the season
1: yeah he's a smash in the second round but i'm talking about yeah. like if you want him and you're in like a draft that like you know that means something to you and you're at pick 10 i think it's okay to take him there and then because there's probably a tier of guys that clump together that that spin pick so i mean so who we have our big three everyone's got the same big three so who's your wide receiver four and five then
2: Ah uh, Diggs is four for me I just think he's the safest of these next year guys so I, I I go Diggs Adams lamb but I could yeah I could you know lamb and Adams I kind of go back and forth on every day
1: see I could it's funny you say and I think that that's uh that's a reasonable like with Diggs's floor but i I would I mean lamb hasn't done it yet so it's you know yep. I mean we've seen Stefan Diggs like two years ago if you had him in the finals uh, I would love to you know congratulations I want to see your trophy because you won but it's I could see. So I I talked to who was it yesterday? I talked to somebody and they had uh they had him as their wide receiver four. And I was like, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, it's easy to see. So if Lamb is earmarked for 150 target floor. Now, who, are you are you a Dalton Schultz guy? I mean, he ran free last year. Nobody likes him as a as a talent, but he he's yeah. potentially a volume guy. So yes or no on Dalton Schultz. And then who's the secondary pass catcher on the team that you like in your drafts?
2: Yeah, no on Schultz for me, and it's, you know, going back to Dallas Goddard, that you know Schultz goes like two rounds ahead of Dallas Goddard in ADP. I would just much rather save the two rounds and take Dallas Goddard. Um, my next guy on Dallas is Tony Pollard. <laughs> like mm. I'm, 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 I'm buying this Tony Pollard, get him on the field along with Zeke. I mean, I know we hear that this time of year way too often, and it rarely comes to fruition but it makes so much sense here is pollard is such a weapon he's so good in the passing game dallas is so thin and unproven at wide receiver behind cd lamb to open the season so i i do think pollard is going to going to play a big role out of the gate
1: yeah i've gone i'm full like zeke QAnon status at this point right like you know <laughs> i i'm you know i've almost too much to the point where i've said zeke is the best a value pick in the third round. And not because I think he can win you the league. It's just the guy's never on the injury report. And if you do start wide receiver, wide receiver, I mean, in a down year last year, Zeke was running back seven, but I think that you just brought up something interesting. It's like, if you have a pro Zeke take, people think you hate Tony Pollard. Both of these guys could hit. And I know mm-hmm. it's funny. You just mocked that every year we hear running back is that running back X is splitting out wide this year, but it just by necessity, they might really need that because if you're mm-hmm. relying on semi Fioco, is that I say his name, right? Or Noah Brown. I mean, one of these guys could emerge. I mean, if you had Noah Brown on your Thanksgiving league last year, congratulations. Mm-hmm. You probably, you probably, you know, you, you did all right. But with, um, with Michael Gallup out with Jalen Tolbert, it's still a third round rookie. Um, yeah, no Pollard does make a lot of sense, but you're, you're having to take him in the seventh round. Doesn't that interfere with your Goddard play at all?
2: (laughs) It can, it can. And I would prioritize Goddard among those two. If I have to make that decision, but you, you can get them both sometimes.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense here. All right, I'm with Jared and we're uh we were reviewing our Superflex draft. Jared Smolov Draft Sharks. You can see that draft, it's linked in the video description below, but I just have too many topics to ask him about with our last uh, 10 minutes or so. Uh there's been some rumors of Jimmy Garoppolo possibly get it said that the blurb said likely getting traded for the Browns. Um do you think that Kareem Hunt could be involved in this in this trade at all?
2: Um I doubt it. I think Hunt's going to stay in Cleveland. Honestly, I think um, he's too good. They're too, you know, ready to win if they get, you know, even eight games of Deshaun Watson. And, and you know, they're, they're still going to be a run-focused offense when they don't have Deshaun Watson. So I just think Hunt's too valuable to that team this year to, to be on the move.
1: All right. So let me let's let's play in scenarios here. It sounds like, you know, the other day, uh, Deshaun Watson team made an offer to the league. Hey, we'll take eight games. We'll give you five million dollar. I don't think the league's going to go for that. Let's say that Deshaun Watson does get 12 games or a season long suspension. Right. Um, So the Browns want to be competitive. They can't waste a year. They got to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, it might cost them. Kareem, it could cost them Kareem Hunt. I mean, they're not. Do they have draft picks to give? I mean, they're going to want something back, right? I mean, it's so that's why I would think that he, a yeah. player could be involved there. So, um, I, I just, I used to think that it was six games. That was it. You know, I did my, not, not a victory lap. That's a bad way to say it, but I was like, ha, it was six games, but it yeah. just seems now that the NFL is, is wants, um, there's, there's a PR element involved there. All right. My, my favorite tight end. I'm just going lightning round here. Is has been Zach Ertz. Um, I you know, the first six weeks should be money, and then there's yeah. it could be a problem. But do you see that could this be a little bit of fool's gold for me? Uh, where are you on Rondell Moore and Hollywood mm-hmm. Brown? Are they gonna be better or worse than the market thinks?
2: Uh Moore is my favorite target among those Cardinals pass catchers. Um, I, I was a big fan of him coming into the league. Last year is obviously disappointing. I mean, just the way Arizona used him. He had like the lowest average depth of target we've seen in like years and years. Um, but I, you know, everything I've heard and seen from Cardinals camp is that they are going to, you know, diversify his role. There was a story a couple days ago that, you know, Moore is basically going to step into Christian Kirk's role from last year as that primary slot guy, getting some more downfield stuff, which I do think he can do. Um, so he's my favorite guy. Yeah, you, you said it with Hurts. Like I think he's he's going to be awesome those first six games before DeAndre Hopkins comes back. But I do worry about the target volume a bit once you have Hopkins in there alongside Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore.
1: All right, let's uh, continuing with our lightning round. Uh, Baltimore, everyone knows Mark Andrews is, is set up for uh, – I haven't taken him at ADP yet. I'm not willing to click him on, in the second round. I could see why somebody would. Uh, Rashad Bateman better happen, right? I mean, it's almost <laughs> like uh, – so are you buying yeah. Rashad Bateman in the fifth round? And, it, I mean, why isn't he a third-round pick if everyone's so sure he's going to happen?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely in on Bateman. Um, to me, the question is Baltimore's pass rate. Cause that spiked way up first where it had been in Greg Roman's first two seasons. And I do think that was at least partly due to the fact that they lost their entire running back room in August last year. And, you know, it does look like JK Dobbins is trending towards being ready for week one. So I I think Baltimore is going to throw it, not quite as much as they did last year. So that to me, that's like the only concern with Bateman. I mean, the opportunities obviously there with Marquise Brown gone. I thought he was an excellent prospect coming out. I know, last year was semi disappointing, but you know, he dealt with a groin injury in August, missed all of, basically off training camp, all the preseason. And then even when he comes back uh, six of Bateman's 12 games came without Lamar Jackson under center. So I mean, it was just kind of, it was, it was a tough go for him last year.
1: Yeah. I also like that Baltimore needs Bateman to happen. It's not like, you know, he's just some guy that we like, like they took him in the first round and you know, they traded Hollywood and so, you know, he's gonna, and you know, I liked enough what I saw there. So I've been taking Bateman and that's a night. You talk about stacks and bigger contests. the Lamar Bateman stack with Andrews is gettable. It's a little pricey, but you know, it can be done. Um, I've even, you know, I'm always looking for some good late round best ball guys. As we finish out best ball season, I've been taking Devin Duvernay, you know, pretty routinely. Now I I saw a note that um, James Prochet was uh, banged up. So, Uh, Duvernay, does he have a chance for some fantasy relevance this year?
2: I think there's a chance, probably best ball only, right? Like with the lower volume passing attack in Baltimore and Andrews and Bateman being the clear top two guys, I'm not sure you'll ever feel good enough about Duvernay or Prochet to like stick them in a starting lineup. I do think both those guys could give you, you know, some spike weeks.
1: Yeah, he's like a poor man's Debo Samuel. Uh, That is Devin Duvernay, like a very poor man's. Uh, Some of the other ADPs I don't understand that I was hoping you can untangle for me is the Pittsburgh wide receivers. Deontay Johnson, wide receiver, 18. Chase Claypool, 49. And now Pickens with some helium. He's 70, but I'm sure he's going up. I land on the Chase Claypool value side of this. Uh, What say you?
2: I'd actually rank him value-wise in opposite order. Like I think Pickens is my favorite at this point. Maybe, maybe I'm buying into the hype too much that we have heard this summer, but I thought Pickens was a first round talent, and that you know it was the ACL last year that basically knocked him out for the season. That kind of caused him to slip into the second. Um, but I'd go like Pickens, and I do like Claypool at at uh, at ADP. And I'm I'm not drafting Deontay John, Johnson at wide receiver 18. Um, I just I think his volume is going to decline without Ben Roethlisberger there.
1: There is a couple of different kinds of people in fantasy draft this year. There are those who will draft Christian McCaffrey as pick one or two. And there are those that are sane. Uh,
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I disagree here.
1: Yeah, good, good. So uh, where where are you taking him in a standalone league? Forget the overall in the overall contest. Okay. You want to take McCaffrey one, one. I get why, but just you're in a league. You're you're, let's say you bucked up. You put $200 down in the league. It's important. That's a, that's a good chunk of dough. Uh, You're going to take him in the top two.
2: He's my one hundred and one in full PPR. Um, I, I think he's not more injury prone than most of these other backs. And even if you look at McCaffrey's injuries, there's like nothing recurring. There's nothing I'm you know worried about lingering or impacting his play this season. The guy's you know still in his mid twenties, and I just think he's going to get fed, um, especially in the passing game. Now, if you're talking half PPR, or no, or no, we, PPR, we don't. We'll, okay. What
1: kind of people? What kind of animals and, play half PPR? You know, all right, McCaffrey for me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh and it's not that I don't think McCaffrey. I mean, look, when he came back those couple games, he's 25 points, I get it, but it's just the opportunity cost. And you said something that I think really does it that no one else has been able to articulate to me and that was that Hey, he's not more in your in your uh, research. He's not more injury prone than you know Dalvin Cook, who I would have as the second running back after uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, because an injury can strike at any time. And the other thing is, if you're worried, I guess if the the argument against myself is if you're worried about a scale back workload, Matt Rule is obviously on the hot seat here, and it doesn't matter if he you know breaks the if he burns the engine out. He's got to win, and that's probably his best chance to win. All right, that makes sense to me. I probably. Um, I've been burned a couple times by him, so I probably wouldn't take him in the top four or five, but at six, it gets interesting for me. And I guess really where I was going is that there's other injury guys that are, you know, there's Derek Henry now has the injury labeled or concerns from people. Saquon Barkley. You gotta be interested. If you're taking McCaffrey, are, are you just like, are you a handcuffed guy with Foreman? Uh, or are you just, that's not how you
2: play fantasy football. I'm not really a handcuffed guy in general and I'm definitely not a handcuffed guy in that situation. I'm not even sure if it's Foreman. I think it, I think it might still be Chuba Hubbard. Some of the stuff I've read out of Carolina is that Hubbard's been out playing Foreman. So it's just, it's too messy for me to you know, pick one of those guys. And even if McCaffrey goes down, I don't think, you know, either Foreman or Hubbard's going to you know, give you anything too exciting.
1: And if McCaffrey's healthy for four weeks and when the hot free agents come out, you know, I mean, there's there's going to be four or five guys in week one that we want to pick up. You're not going to want to yeah. hold foreman anyway. So that's all I always say about Alexander Madison. It's like everyone's like, if you draft Dalvin Cook, you have to take Madison. Okay, let's see if you can hold him in week five. If Dalvin she- Cook is, you know, in your typical five, six bench league, it's it's nearly impossible to hold a guy like that. Yeah. Whereas someone like Pollard, you could stash in your lineup. Someone like Kareem Hunt, you know, if you have to, you could stash him in your your flex spot. So All right, Jared Smola, you did it, man. Um, you know, I loved having you on. Uh, I was, you know, I was very much looking forward to talking to you. Where can everyone find you on Twitter? What are you working on right now that everyone should go check out?
2: Yeah, at SmolaDS on Twitter. All my work is on DraftSharks.com. Man, I'm working on a ton of stuff. We got our sleeper article coming out next week that I'm working on. We have our perfect draft articles coming out next week. Those are our, you know, round by round game plans for how to attack your your league, and we have them for all league sizes. All league types um, and then I'm working on our preseason notes article which is where I kind of I actually watch every preseason game I, I do it with the uh, game pass uh, you know quick version it's like 30 minutes per game but I'll watch all the games and just sort of jot down any usage notes or performance notes that I think are interesting
1: and we always at Rotowire we always think that the best fantasy players don't just get one draft kit. Like we love when people buy our draft kit, but we think that you should always get two, three, four draft kits and not everyone can afford that many. It's fine. But I think that the best players always check out multiple draft kits. So where could people find, what do you think the, the best part of the draft sharks draft kit is and how can they get it?
2: It's definitely our draft war room. So what that it's a, it's our drafting tool and it takes our projections it applies them to your league scoring system, which again matters. Like we talked about underdog being half PPR versus full PPR like that. Your scoring system matters. It's going to impact your rankings. And then the draft war room will sync up to your league's draft room and it'll automatically take guys off the rankings as they're picked throughout the draft. It'll update your rankings based on, you know, your team needs, what's still available. So it's a really powerful drafting tool. I, I use it for every draft I do.
1: Um, all right. And you know what? I, ha- I was just looking at my list. There's two questions I didn't ask you that I think are important because who's uh, besides Dallas Goddard, who's the late round, uh, you know, round 12 or later guy that you just, you know, every time you just look all of a sudden you look up at your best ball. It's like, oh my God, 68%. I got him again. Who's that guy? So can I name two? Please do. It's
2: uh it's it's David Njoku, and, and that's gonna obviously depend on what happens with Watson here. Um, you know, if it's only six games for Watson, I'll still be heavy on Njoku. I think he's a big talent. I think the Browns committed to him financially. They're kinda ready to feature him this season. My other guy, going back to the Jaguars, Evan Ingram. I know he yes! burns people. I know he's burned people, but I mean he's still that first round talent as far as athleticism, pass catching ability goes. The Jags gave him like nine million bucks this year. I think and, – and Doug Peterson has a long history of featuring tight ends in his passing game. So I think uh, Ingram's going to play a big role in that Jacksonville passing game. And it's
1: funny you said that. I was just um, reading today that Laviska Chenault has been playing tight end, but more of like because he's good at blocking. We just uh-huh. want, yeah. I mean, they're putting him there is because you know, look, we th- we didn't love Visca as a offensive weapon, <laughs> but I mean, he's an animal, man, right? He can he can yep. knock people over. So if Ingram is getting that like Mike Geseki type of treatment where he's just running routes, yeah, oh, yep. I like. You know it's funny? I it there's a little bit of stink on Evan Ingram, and you can pick oh, the yeah. round you want him in, but I love that pick and in your dynasty leagues, who's someone that you just haven't had the heart to cut yet that you just, you know, <laughs> if it doesn't happen this year, you'll give them maybe one more try. Who's that guy that's um, sticking to the end of your roster?
2: Man, I got, no one comes, no one comes to mind. I'm just so, I'm so malleable. I just cut guys <laughs> and they need to be cut. You're <laughs> sick. Sure. Yeah. F-
1: see JJ or Sega Whiteside was that guy for me oh. for a couple of years. I mean, you know, I finally cut the cord. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not letting go of Paris Campbell right now. Obviously. I mean, you wouldn't do that. That's silly because he's the wide receiver too. But yeah, there's a couple of guys. I mean, uh, there's another guy who I haven't been able to cut yet. Uh, you remember uh, Antoine Wesley, the uh, Antoine oh, yeah. West. Yeah. On yeah. the Cardinals. He, he, you know, I, even though I should slice him off, I haven't cut him yet.
2: I got one. Uh, Brian Edwards.
1: Oh yeah. There I'm, still, you
2: go. I'm still keeping, still keeping the light on for him in Atlanta now. Huh?
1: I'll keep it. You know what? If you don't mind, I will give you full credit, but I'm going to call it the keeping the light on guy. From when I ask this question, cause I do ask this sure. at every dynasty player and no one has said Edwards yet, but you're right. Because I, it's like, I look at him every time. I'm like, e-, you know, it's <laughs> so, so he got right, a, he's, then, he's got
2: a chance now in Atlanta. I mean, there's no one else there behind London.
1: All right. And then here's the, the last question. It, the player that you always want to draft is you, you have to say to yourself, can this player be on the cover of all the fantasy magazines next year? You know, uh, I've had people say maybe Travis ETN, it could be on the, it could be the one, one next year. This year, Justin Herbert was on our road to water magazine. Who's a player that you think that, you know, you're looking at in some of your drafts that it's easy to see them be on the cover of the magazine next year.
2: I mean, easy for me to see is Saquon Barkley. Oh yeah. I just think if he stays healthy, I still believe in the talent. He's going to get a ton of work there. Um, if I want to get a little crazier.
1: Yeah. A little crazy. I
2: could, go, I, could I could go cam Akers. Sean McVay, Sean McVay has a long history of featuring one back. If he's over the Achilles injury, that's still going to be a top 10 offense in the NFL. You know, if he's getting 70% of the work in that Rams offense, acres could be, you know, a, a top five pick next year.
1: Jared, I kept you way longer than I said I was. It's because I enjoy you and I enjoy talking to you. And I want everyone to go follow him at SmolaDS. And then I am at Alan Sislowski. Just remember, everyone, if you want to get a, a peek behind Rotowire's paywall, just go to rotowire.com forward slash try. There's no no credit card to put in. You just put in your email, and after two days, it just lapses. If you want to sign up, that's great. If not, like I said, nothing to cancel. And we'll be back again next Friday with another podcast. We have uh, Tim from Dynasty Owner coming on. We're going to do some Dynasty strategy discussion. Jared, thanks a lot, man, and everyone out there. Good luck in your leagues, and uh, you know, let us know. Tweet at us. Tweet at Jared. Show him your drafts. And every week, I want you to ask him which marginal player to start. It's snowing, the sun
0: goes down.